And we are live. I think this is episode 45. Just Karan and I today. Um, because uh, the rest of our crew had a bunch of things come up. Um, but Karan and I are here to provide you as much value as we possibly can. Because that's what we like to do here on this value investing oriented channel that is Punch Card Investing. Episode number 45, as I mentioned, which is pretty awesome that we, we've made it this far. Almost, we're approaching a year, a whole year on this channel, which is wonderful. Um, and like many of our episodes, we like to make things as question-oriented as we can. This episode will definitely be very question-oriented, so be sure to get your questions going in the chat. And and uh, that'll be a great way to kind of get everything um, get everything rolling. But I think we'll we'll start by talking about Charlie Munger actually using margin to buy Alibaba, which perhaps has been overlooked by a number of people, which is, it's, uh, goes against some of the, it goes against the grain a bit from what we like, what we often hear from uh, a lot of the super investors in the value investing space. But before we get into that, we have a a very exciting announcement, a new partnership with Seeking Alpha. We are now an affiliate of Seeking Alpha. They have a discount link that they have so graciously given to us. If you use that discount link, it's in the description below. Uh, You'll get a discount on their premium uh, subscription service, and that would also go a long way towards helping the channel. So be sure to check that out. Uh, In the future, we might actually end up writing something for Seeking Alpha as well. We're talking about that right now. Um, No promises there. But in the meantime, Seeking Alpha, it's a great platform, a lot of good information on some of the underreported names uh, in, in a lot of the mainstream media that we like to cover a lot. So uh, definitely check that out because um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's a nice little platform and has lots of good articles. So again, that's in the description below our new partnership with seeking alpha, which is uh, pretty exciting. I think um, a, lot of, a lot of our audience go. does use seeking alpha already. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a good offer for everyone. Yeah. Because it gets into a lot of those niche stocks niche for us um that like a lot of the mainstream financial media doesn't tend to cover so it, it's a, it's good for that for sure also some uh, like small unknown you know small caps such as amazon alibaba yeah, like, like yeah. up that we the small beyond cap. the mega caps for sure yeah. so <laughs> um yeah and uh yeah. like comment subscribe all that fantastic stuff so again we'll, we'll try to make this one pretty question oriented so get those questions going in the chat and and we'll focus on those um so, so longer buying yeah. on margin yeah have um, you used margin like is it something that you know is, is used in your stock portfolio i know you use it in real estate but is it something you use in your stock portfolio not for stocks but yes i, I do use it um as a tool for real estate um yeah I, I should say i have used it once and i plan to use it again um the main strategy that I use margin for is I will build up my stock portfolio and that I kind of view almost as my reserves for an eventual real estate deal. But I'd rather hold on to those stocks rather than selling them off and triggering a taxable event or maybe selling at a loss and all that good stuff that comes with stock investing. Uh, So I I would rather, there's adding risk to it, of course, uh, take margin out short term to cover the down payment, cover a rehab, whatever it is in the property. And then over the over the preceding months, pay back that margin as quickly as possible. Uh, once the deal gets stabilized, maybe I do a refinance on that property, take out some more stable long-term debt, pay back the margin. So I, I never want to carry margin permanently, but for a short-term sort of liquidity tool, uh, it seems like a, it seems pretty useful in, in my view. And I, I used it once on this property here, it worked quite well. 
got to hold on to all my stocks through the summer and paid back the margin. Now, maybe as the portfolio grows and grows and my income doesn't necessarily match up with uh, paying down the margin quickly, I might not do that as aggressively. But for now, while my kind of monthly income is significant enough to where I could pay down quite a bit of margin each month, uh, it's something that's definitely on the table. So that's how I use it. I don't like doubling down on stocks, though I guess Charlie Munger does. <laughs> um, what about you, Karan? Have you would used you, margin? Would, do you do you plan to? Not not at all. I mean, I'm never used it, but I have dabbled with options a little bit and realized it's not for me as such because it takes away from you know the mindset that you have when it comes to investing. Options kind of put you in this buy it at this price, sell it at this price. You know that mentality of. <laughs> Almost yeah. gambling. <laughs> yeah, because it adds like this. It adds a, a time constraint. Uh, like you mentioned, options, which is another form of leverage in the stocks that has time decay involved. So Dude. it's definitely a different game, like you're saying. Um, yeah. Whereas with margin, there's it's not quite time decay, but there there is like a time cost because there's there's a price on the money, there's the interest rate, but then there's also the risk that if something happens in the short term causes the stocks to go down, triggers a margin call, then you're forced to liquidate. That's obviously no good. Then you're, you're wiped out. Um, we've seen that happen a number of times th- throughout <laughs> the financial world because it, it, a lot of people dabble with margin, especially on a hypier environment into hype stocks. And then when those hype stocks lose some hype, they, they lose their shirts. So uh, you definitely got to be careful with anything like margin options, any sort of leverage, really just investing in general. You got to be careful uh, and be be ready to face some of the risks involved with whatever, whatever strategy. Um, you mentioned options, Karan. Are, are you talking like selling or or uh, like selling puts or or actually just buying long options? So no, buying leaps, so long dated okay. options. So something in 2023, 2024, that's kind of what I was looking at. Um, most of kind of extra benefit from the mispricing because sometimes when you look at option premiums they seem very cheap relative to what you think the underlying value of the business is so i'm trying to exploit that difference between the intrinsic value my perception of the intrinsic value and the stock price and you know using options to leverage up that bet so, 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 yeah. so you have you ever sold then? It's oh, has it always been long? Um, is in that it's case always you, been long? Interesting. So, yeah, never sold options because I mean that's really that's just pure speculation. When you are selling options, except obviously when you're selling puts, but then also I would say that's also speculating because in case the stock gets to the level at where you're selling the put, you just lose out. Yes, you'll make the premium, but you lose out on the opportunity to actually buy into the company yeah so. i mean I, I i would definitely say that leaps are pretty speculative too um yeah only yeah. in the case of going long your time decay is against you whereas if you're selling a put time decay is actually in your favor in, in a weird way because uh as the option price decreases you're still keeping that premium up front so if you ever needed to close that option again time decay is actually in your favor um <laughs> But interesting that um, interesting that that you do long options. Uh, so you wouldn't would you consider something like cash secured puts if you? Because I know you have a or no, you don't really have a significant cash position anymore, do you? Um, but when you did, no. did you consider it? 
I never did really. Initially, I never did, and I don't think I would again. Stick to plain vanilla stock picking. I think that works best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. there's a tendency to overcomplicate things with both options and margin. Um, what about is there a position in your portfolio right now that you would double down on using margin? Kind of like what Hungry did with Papa. Is there a position I would double down on with margin? Is that what you said? You're you're getting choppy on me, Karan. It might be on my end. Um, but what was that? Is there a holding I would double down on? Right. Yeah. Okay. In your current. Um. Well, the thing is, I could do that if I wanted to using something like my HELOC, or which then I wouldn't have the threat of a margin call. Um, and that's also variable rate interest right now. It's two point. Well, it just got bumped up to two point five percent interest. Um. And that's stretched out over a pretty long time period. Um, so I could do that now. And the fact that I'm not is probably telling <laughs> that, that I wouldn't do that. But I guess if I was forced to, um, I kind of like my weightings right now. Uh, I would have said maybe two weeks ago, probably Facebook. I would have liked to build that position out a bit more. But now it's it's climbing back well over 200 again. So not as excited uh, with something like Facebook because I kind of have like a half position in that now. Um, maybe, maybe when it fell to $80, I would have considered uh, putting more into Baba. And, uh, but I've got some pretty significant hindsight bias at this point. So, <laughs> But uh, I did put a lot of my remaining cash into that when it briefly hit about $80. So did you sell puts there or... No, no. Uh, the only put I've sold um, has been actually uh, um, it was for SRG. I sold one put option uh, for the $8 strike price for January of next year. So that's the only put I've sold to this point. Uh, I've done some spreads on on gold in the past. Just uh, That was partly to kind of learn how options work and just see how they behave. Just like little trades here and there, like at most $100 at risk. So uh, just learning how spreads, uh, put credit spreads work. So same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, kind of a bullish play, um, and 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 that sort of thing. Uh, but beyond that, uh, yeah, I, I haven't really done any serious options stuff. Uh, and I, I suppose you could say the the most serious options trade I've done has been this this one uh, put put credit spread. But I, I would look to do more in the future, especially as the portfolio grows, and uh, it, especially if my cash position ever gets to us a significant sort of level. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> Should I take switch the network? I think a lot of people are telling me that. Yeah. We'll just be back in a minute. <laughs> All right. I'll go solo for a moment. <laughs> Man, Devanj says it's the two uh, sidekicks today. That's brutal. Absolutely brutal, Devanj. <laughs> You know, you know, you know, we're we're people too, man. <laughs> we 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 uh we did have to scramble a bit today. Um, all right, let's see how Kron's doing. Is it now. better? I hope so. Uh, we'll see. Your your picture's a little grainy, okay. but uh, audio clear so far. Cool. You sound okay, so that's I guess that's what really matters. <laughs> Jason, uh, like, why? Where are you? <laughs> yeah, we, we had we, the bad thing like. <laughs> Yeah, we we need you. We we need you, Jason, to uh, 
get in a sparring match with Quran. <laughs> um, take a look at some of these questions here. Actually, before we get into the questions, let's get back to this Charlie Munger using margin. It, it almost strikes me as, dare I say, hypocritical because he's always so against, uh, outwardly against speculation and, and putting yourself in kind of short-term risky positions. Yeah, here he is throwing down some pretty hefty margin on on Alibaba as it continues to fall and fall and fall. Uh, granted, he, I'm sure he's not like 10x leveraged, but you know, it's it's he's he adding risk be. to the portfolio. <laughs> Maybe he is, he but <laughs> it's hard to say <laughs> with any real certainty. But uh, how do we feel about that? How do you feel about that, Karan? Just Charlie Munger. Just in general, Charlie Munger uses margin. Does that? Does it's that kind of like you? you know the person who tells you like, oh, like you know, smoking is terrible for you when they like smoking a cigarette. Kind of <laughs> yeah. <things like> that. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, again, like I don't think Charlie Munger gives a damn about what anyone else thinks. So that's also true. If it makes sense to him, he's going to do it. And I think relative to his net worth, I mean, it's it's probably not a lot. So, yeah, if we yeah. if we really knew what was going on, Charlie Munger likes to not be as transparent, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. I can't can't blame him, I suppose. And I, and I think that his margin debt has particularly good terms in that it's I don't know if it's callable um, in every situation. Uh, it's like non callable preferred stock or something. Yeah, it's some strange form of debt so that she never has to pay back. <laughs> it's not yeah, it's not your average margin debt. So. There's something to be said there. What, that that's usually the biggest issue with margin debt is that it's callable ninety percent of the time. So if if the stock price, if your if your margin call is triggered for whatever reason, you don't meet your maintenance requirement for yeah. the brokerage that's giving you the the margin, then then you're in trouble. But if you don't have that sort of callability, then uh, you're in a much better spot. Yeah, and also, Kron, yeah, you're you're a lot smoother now. So I think I think we're good. I think we fixed that. Finally. <laughs> um, Jason asks, what yeah. are the odds Munger's just wrong on Alibaba? Well, what are the odds? Well, the, the thing is, at least the way I view it, as the price comes down, your your risk decreases too, in that you need less to go right for the thing to pay off because your cost basis is lower. Uh, but he's putting more and more money into it, so in that in that case, the amount it's amount at risk is also larger. Um, There's always a probability that people, someone's wrong. Like, yeah, any investment can go completely south. Like, do you think any investor who was investing in Gazprom ever thought that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay, that's a cheap bad example, but because <laughs> there was a real probability of that happening, but. Um, and take any no, it's, ex- it's. I think it's more extreme than most people realized. Otherwise, I don't think he would have seen it no. as as severe of a swing downwards. It would have been trading yeah. a lot lower. Um, so same now. thing. Like we never know. Like with Baba, maybe there's a thing which kind of blocks the entire cloud business. Yeah. Could that happen? Unlikely, but there is a probability, which is yeah. Why we get it to the prices that we get it at, right? Right. <laughs> we wouldn't be getting it at those prices. It's probabilities and it's never certainty. So it's, and, and the lower your price is, the less probability you need to be in your favor, if that makes sense. And that uh, the amount of risk in a particular Actually, There is risk, is but you're being compensated in terms of price. Right. Exactly for that risk. Right. And if that's good enough for 
you, then you can take up the price. If not, then pass. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I guess to directly answer the question, uh, what are the odds? I mean, it's impossible to say without knowing the future, but they're significant. It's it's a non-zero chance of him being wrong, whatever yeah. his actual thesis is, besides it's going to go up over in the future. Uh, so it's hard to say like what his exact thesis is here. Like if it hits this, then I will leave. Or is this just just buy it and forget it sort of sort of move? It's hard to say exactly, but uh, he's only got so much longer left on his horizon, dare I say. <laughs> so well, Maybe he's got a 20-year time horizon. We yeah, don't know. <laughs> unless he gets to 120 or something, which could happen, which would be kind of, that would be pretty epic. Um, the oldest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> the oldest, not just the oldest investor, oldest person ever. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, non-zero chance. We'll see what happens. Time will tell. Yeah. St- still, still early in the in the investment case. It kind of also makes me think about something that Guy Spear said on Tom's podcast, which was, "Look at the investment as a portion of the person's net worth." So, Daily Journal makes up a fraction of Munger's portfolio, and a fraction of that is in Baba. So, you know, yeah. if you look at it from that perspective, you're like, okay, right, maybe. Even if he's wrong, who cares? If he's right, he gets a 10x. Like sure. So the the weight of the rightness or wrongness is changed <laughs> in that case. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people don't focus as much on position sizing as much as they should. Because again, if you equal weight, say Buffett's investments, his track record is very different as opposed to mm. the way that he does invest. So Position sizing makes a huge difference. And maybe it's not obvious to everyone looking from the outside, but then obviously the investors weighting it in such a way that they're fine with, even if they're completely wrong on that investment. So, Right. Yeah, yeah that's well said. A lot of good questions. Yeah, we're getting some questions. What's the first question? One yeah. of the first questions if a company has net cash. From Timothy here. Company has net cash above its market cap with a long term record of positive cash flows and growing revenue. What potential traps could there be when investing in such a company? The management, yeah, that's a big uh, dilution. Yeah, um, obviously, you could always have a reversal, like <laughs> past doesn't indicate the present or the future, so. I mean, a lot could go wrong. Running a business is hard. <laughs> like, you yeah, can easily absolutely. have things reverse. Um, also, I think track record of the management is the biggest risk here. Like, you have to see who the management is, what they've done in the past, if it's new. All that factors in. I suppose so. In that, what are they going to do with that cash, if that's really what you're looking at? I yeah, guess it's fair. Because they've been able to accumulate, uh, you know, cash, and grow revenue. So clearly they're doing something right. But at the same time, why are they not using that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. That's so I guess I would think about it. Yeah. yeah and like a net net situation. And and that's where uh, it reminds me of like early, early Warren Buffett being very activist and coming into these situations where management probably wasn't doing what was best for shareholders, arguably. And he comes in and just basically liquidates or, or takes care of the, the net net stock and gets that cash out. Whereas with management that might not have known what to do, or maybe he was going to do something different, 
that cash value would have never been realized. So that is a good point. The management's might be more, arguably more important in that situation. This oh makes me goodness. think of literally of GameStop literally in 2019. <laughs> hey, guys, I got a big surprise for all of you because a, uh, a wild Tom has appeared. <laughs> he he, he is back. He's back. How, how is uh, how how was the house? Does it, does it look good? You got a you got a shot? Yeah, well, we looked at about six, I think. So, <laughs> how were the houses? Yeah. Do you have a shot? <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there was one or two we liked. So, um, fingers crossed. Well, best of luck there. How, how has it been down under in the? Uh, I know, I know housing pretty much everywhere has been ridiculous, but it sounds like things are cooling a bit. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's it's a little bit hard to tell because the market data that kind of comes out News. tends to be kind of yeah. six weeks to yeah. two months kind of behind, um, just with like settlement dates and things. But it mm. seems like prices have pulled back, not a huge amount, maybe three to 5%, something like that. that Any, in the pullback is something. Any pullback mm. is something. Um. Well, won't, won't, I won't. Uh, I won't jinx anything. So, <laughs> yeah. Best, best of luck. Thanks. What have you guys been talking about? What, what are we getting for you? Uh, we questions. We're, we're we're talking about uh, margin and Charlie Munger in particular, and uh, a bit about Guy Spiel. And yeah, and, and, yeah. So a smattering of a few things, but definitely focusing on margin leverage. We talked about options for a moment. Uh, Tom, do you think Charlie could be wrong on Baba? That's a question. That's a big question. <laughs> well, I don't think he's immortal, so yes, I think he could be wrong on Alibaba. Oh, um, it's too it's too soon to tell. I mean, like, there's a lot of people telling him, saying he's wrong already. When he's like, I don't know, he's he's bought it less than a year ago, right? Was the first purchase. Um, yep. So I don't know. It should become obvious in five or ten years, you would think. And and it's funny seeing the news headlines suddenly change, like. Oh, now Bob is like, is, is, is Baba like right now? Um, when really not much has fundamentally changed. I mean, we had the, 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 the government come out and say some significant things. So not that nothing has changed, but it's, it's hilarious how the media just turns on a dime, uh, based on generally the sentiment and the, the, let's just say the media tends to be reflective rather than prospective, uh, when it comes to talking mm-hmm. about stocks and it very much depends on what it's been doing in the last yeah. month. <laughs> so so we'll we'll see how positive the Baba news com- comes after. There was that report right up. by JP Morgan, like right before the rally began. The like our price target is sixty five. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Just just pulling it out of a hat, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always always love those market predictions. Let's uh, start hitting some more of these questions. Now, now we got uh we got Tom here to sp- spread the uh, spread the weight out, spread the uh, spread the weight load out here. <laughs> Here's uh, from Ganesh. Do you guys do you guys really believe that you have the ability to identify hidden moats? Well, how would you identify a hidden moat? Uh, what's an example of like a, a hidden moat that the average person would not see, but a savvy investor so like might? A low cost producer, something like that. So, like a competitive that... advantage in kind of like a niche thing. Yeah, I. I... Say that would fit the bill of a hidden mode. I think when you're looking at yeah, commodity like producers, yeah. you know. I was going to say it seems like um, 
maybe maybe this question's getting at competitive advantages that the management aren't like openly talking about all the time and it's not mm-hmm. like uh, you know it, it's like the whole um was it the is it Peter Thiel who says or Peter Thiel who says like you know competitions for losers and yeah, the yeah. best companies with the biggest moats tend to say how they're in super competitive industries and <laughs> yeah. and kind of vice versa uh, yeah i don't know maybe it maybe it's kind of getting at that possibly it's just getting at really underfollowed stocks and management isn't super open like the you know daily journal corporations might might be an interesting example of this where they've got this software business that seems to be quite a sticky product and potentially is quite ingrained in courthouses and things but the management hardly talks about it so you've kind of got to do some digging to to figure that out is it really just not even hidden moats just anything that would require any due diligence is probably going to be just completely ignored by the vast majority of people so even just a little bit of due diligence probably unearths these quote-unquote hidden moats um mm-hmm. at least in some cases or maybe even many cases yeah yeah but uh, as for our own abilities uh, i guess time will tell yeah. <laughs> we'll see how accurate we are it's, it's definitely more of an art than a science when, when it comes to something like that kind of almost like identif- identifying just what a good business is that's, that's really what this question gets to i would think and that just, I guess, comes with experience and maybe a little luck, <laughs> at least uh, over a pretty big sample. Should we take up another question? Yeah. Oh, hey, a quick, quick, uh, quick one from Sven. As uh, Frank was talking about this today, uh, the holding he pitched a while back, and is it New Zealand Media and Entertainment, or I think that's the company name, the, the media company down in new zealand (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um they had some pretty positive news recently in that i think they're aren't they upping like their their ad revenue or something like that Um, yeah they had some loi that they signed with google yeah that's right and that's great it's it's in line with the plan that they were kind of outlining over the past few months so it seems to be off to a, a good start from where kind of we heard our pitch from frank so he He's definitely happy about the news and he's actually a bit surprised that it's happening as quickly as, as it is. So that's it for that. Even for the best ideas. I think that's, I think let's try and come and talk about it on the best ideas podcast. Yeah. Yeah, We'll do a best ideas episode soon. We we actually meant to do it. I think we're on schedule to have done it like a week ago, but we kind of forgot. So we'll be doing one soon uh, in the next week or two. Uh, So stay tuned for that for another best ideas. We try to do it every quarter. Um, just to kind of spread it out a bit. Yeah, Brad had to like go to Turkey and you know just check the numbers once yep. more. Yep. So sorry about that. <laughs> he's got to readjust for all that inflation. Of course. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, re- yeah, he's checking all the books because it's it's pretty it's a it's a week to week sort of thing there. So he's got to he's got to go in and out pretty often. <laughs> Tom, have you used leverage? We didn't that. Ask, like, have you ever tried using margin or anything like that? Nope. I, I mean, I've invested <laughs> in companies that have leverage. So um, if you want to look at it through that lens, then yeah, but I, I've never used options or margin or anything like that. Any desire to? Um, Buy not really. <laughs> I, I think it would, well, yeah, 
that's kind of a whole different ball game, I would think. But um, sort of. I mean, if I were to, if there was some sort of leverage available or some sort of debt available that wasn't callable and was, you know, fixed at a low rate for a long time, that would be a much different equation, I think. Um, Fair. And you know, you you can get that kind of stuff with real estate, but not with stocks, at least at this present point in time. As, as well, as at this level, you got to get the the Daddy Warren level, then you can get whatever. Yeah, you got to you got to <laughs> issue those um, Japanese bonds and European bonds at like zero. <laughs> yeah, give it time. Yeah, give us money and we won't give you anything for four years. Great. <laughs> yeah, well, well, when we um when we IPO the this punch card channel or, or spec it or whatever we're going to do, we can issue some bonds and and then get this thing started. <laughs> Net negative, negative uh, rate bonds get paid to yeah. issue them. <laughs> well, that that's basically an insurance company, isn't it? That's kind of what Buffett's. Yeah, actually true. He's getting, he's getting paid to invest other people's money and, yeah. and collect the gains on it. Yeah. Good, good point. What a way to live. Speaking of uh, what, I guess I should go to purchasing power. Um, you here says value investors miss the fact that there's a 40% increase in M2 money supply over two years. Nearly all stocks will lose purchasing power measured in real terms. It's a, it's a pretty fair point. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that you've seen pretty close to a, it's, it's pretty proportional to the change in money supply, certainly in the change of rates over, over really the past few decades that the market has kind of kept up with that. So in real terms, you could make an argument that you're not really making real gains at all. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, what's the alternative? Would you rather just keep it in cash and lose money that way, or at least keep up or partially keep up with inflation with some sort of decent in- investment? We prefer yeah, to lose I'd money back. through our stock purchases. Yeah. Just invest in Baba and just lose 50%. Straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a lot quicker. You don't need to wait for inflation to do there it for you. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd I'd push back on the fact that value investors ignore this. I, I think it doesn't necessarily drive their investment decisions, which is um, a bit of a distinction. But I think they're very well aware of the fact that if you just sit in cash or something for a long time, <laughs> then you're yeah. going to have purchasing power erode. And um, you know, you read through the old Buffett letters and things, and he's talking about periods of time in the seventies and eighties where, you know, they had they had this huge gain in book value in a single year at Berkshire, but um, I think the example he uses is we, we're not able to buy any more hamburgers than we were last year because of all the inflation. Yeah. So right. I, I think they're well aware of it, but it doesn't necessarily drive, you know, they're, they're not macro investors. They're, the answer in their minds is yeah. still to focus on the micro and, and look at individual companies. And, and I think one of the issues with kind of inflation in general is that it, it can take a while to kind of find its way into certain sectors. So stocks might lag or might even get ahead of inflation as, as investors inspe- uh, expect it. So it's not like a smooth lineup. It's not like it's perfectly linear with, with inflation. So it can take some time to kind of see all that smooth out to where it really should be. And then of course, pricing power matters like we're getting at. Uh, but yeah, it is one of those things that trying to predict, like I'm going to invest in this because of inflation period. You got to be careful just to make a whole portfolio around that. Because mm-hmm. you're betting on something else happening that you have zero control over, which is inflation, um, and very hard to predict because it's kind of at the whims of all these central banks to do whatever they want. Uh, whereas, like with a business, you know what they have to do to get to where they have to uh, to be. 
So there's a bit more predictability there, I would say, than than your average central bank. But that's just my two. That's that's my opinion on that. It's not a science. Yeah. And if there if there ever was going to be a macro call that a value investor might make around the stuff, it's I think we just talked about it with the Japanese and European bonds. We we're kind of joking about <laughs> it, but um, that's pretty good inflation hedge for for Buffett. And it, it's usually more just like a hedging here and there. Like we see, we see like if you can call Michael Burry a, a value investor, kind of a trader in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> um, but with with definitely with a value lens for sure. He he will put on Bill Ackman as well. Will put on kind of interest rate hedges. They'll short treasuries, for example. Uh, so you you do see some of that in the broader value investing space, but it's definitely niche cases. You don't see like you don't see a lot of selling the whole portfolio or or just doing something wild like shorting massive short positions on on, on treasuries or something, betting on interest rate or inflation moves. So. Uh, because that's another thing. Even if inflation runs high, like it has been pretty much everywhere for the past couple of years, if interest rates don't come up, then inflation just runs and, and things get more expensive. Whereas if what a lot of investors do when you see a bunch of inflation is people are like, oh no, you know what that means? Big interest rate hikes are coming. Therefore, I'm going to brace for that. That's what people are really scared of, uh, at least investors. They're they're not really scared of the inflation itself because you typically have pricing, pricing power and all that great stuff. I think they're more scared about the reaction to inflation, which is often interest rate hikes. It, that That's my general understanding of how a lot of people view inflation. It's more the the, the medicine for inflation that's, that's the bigger problem long term. Unless you would disagree. I'll, I'll take that as no. I'm nothing, I'm nothing on inflation. Nailed it. Fantastic. There was a nice know, video by Charlie where he's like, yeah, if I can be optimistic <laughs> at this point. When I'm nearly dead. In my yeah. Life, yeah, when I'm nearly dead, um, you guys can handle a little bit of inflation. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a nasty yeah. thing. You'd prefer not, but hey, that's the reality. Yeah, that's first world problems. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys already talked about Turtle Beach, Jack? Has that been covered yet? I, I see there's some interesting developments there this week. No, What's we haven't. But yeah, I guess I guess there has been. Uh, give us give us the lowdown on that. So, I've only looked into it kind of the preliminary here, but I don't think there's really much else to get into. Is that? So that Donnerail group that allegedly made merger offers and then Turtle Beach was like, no, we don't care about those. Um, they're back and they have, here, let me pull up the site. What is it called? It's like restart Turtle Beach or something dot turtlebeach.com or something. Or I, I reset Turtle Beach, I think. Um, anyways, they, they've made a bunch of uh, board they're trying to replace the entire board of Turtle Beach. Sorry, I'm trying to pull it up. Donnerail Group Turtle Beach. They're Don't trying to replace the. They're they're trying to replace the whole board, and they have this whole website. I forget the exact URL for it, and, and I won't waste our time with that. But they they created this whole website laying out all the board, and the, the only frustrating part is they, they say they want to do all these strategic changes, but without actually saying what those strategic changes are, like what turtle beach should be doing. So it's very vague, but in any event, they have a bunch of 
board members that they would like to install. And what's interesting is Turtle Beach is finally act, acting kind of serious in the response to them. Normally they were just saying like, oh, you're full of BS. This isn't real. But the, uh, in the recent press release, Turtle Beach says that they're willing to take two of those members potentially like out of, out of almost like a lottery to replace some of their board members. So you might see some management changes in the near future if any of this goes through, uh, because I guess Donrail is getting pretty serious about some sort of takeover. Uh, not, not so much a buyout, but kind of getting shareholders together. Allegedly they have like a 10% swing and things uh, between them and their allies to get some of these new board members in. So a little bit of drama and, and we'll see what actually comes out of it. But that's kind of all there is to report there. It, it's kind of a wait and see sort of thing. Jack, are you an advisor for Don Real? <laughs> no. <honest>. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, don't know if I'd be working a, a day job if I had that kind of money to throw around. <laughs> and, and, all, and all this time to create all these, like, uh, dare I call it a smear website, but <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little bit of that. A lot of campaigning they've been doing over the past few months. So it's, it's, it's weird times over at Turtle Beach right now. Does it change how you how you view that position, Jack? Or too soon to tell? Um, and definitely too soon because I I don't know if this is just going to go away or 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 what. Because uh, overall, the, the the thesis I had going in to Turtle Beach a while back was they're going to switch more and more towards PC components or not components, but PC accessories, moving away from relying so heavily on console headsets and they've been doing that uh, and revenues have stayed pretty steady off of their crazy highs in 2020 so uh, that's all i really could ask for and then they're continuing to do that they still have to keep doing that in, in the in the proceeding in the coming years but uh at the same time i guess you have guys like Donrail and that group that don't seem to like this process without really getting into too many details uh and I don't know if they'd be able to really upend what's going on there in that way, uh, since the trend seems to be positive. But I don't know. Maybe that maybe they 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 would try to do some sort of buyout offer, try to sell Turtle Beach to some other company at a higher multiple. I don't know uh, what Donnerill's plan would be because they haven't really articulated it. So I guess the short answer is it doesn't really change my plan, uh, at least for now. Okay, it's kind it's kind of like because a not previous camp. Go ahead. Their previous campaign, um, they tried to buy it a decent premium to the current share price, or the share price at the time, right? So that was sort of a bit of yeah. Allegedly know, tried to buy from your side almost, or a bit of comfort that someone's willing to pay up. Yeah, but then then I was looking more into it, and it didn't really seem like that offer was that legitimate. Uh, so I just kind of forgot about Donrail. Thought they were not a joke, but something weird was going on in that they were making these offers and turtle beach was saying these offers aren't serious. Like here's the papers they say they gave us and the papers showed that they didn't even have their financing lined up to do something like this. And they haven't shown proof that they could actually go through something like that. So I kind of wrote it off, but now they're back with, with this whole thing, which seems a lot more concrete. And then turtle beach is actually responding. Like it is a bit concrete. So, uh, Again, it's it's kind of a, a wait and see of what's actually going to happen, but something is is moving. So yeah, cool. <laughs> wait, 
Sven says I look like a Christian, as in like the religion, or like my name is Christian. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but all right. <laughs> uh, Jackson says Tony is here. Hi, Tony. How are you? <laughs> Ooh, Sven asks you, Tom, if you're willing to indulge, what price mm-hmm. range are you looking at? Uh, I'll tell you after I've bought something, just in case there's some Northland real estate agents watching this. I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to give anything away. They're really doing their due diligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to share once I've got one across the line. When when you're doing these open houses, do you do you talk to people about your channel or anything like? do you no, talk to agents no, about I, this at all does anyone know i avoid that at all costs interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah any reason I, why yeah. well i i i feel like it would just um lead to more questioning about how i view investing in real estate and that sort of thing um would that be a problem like why well it yeah so yeah, buying a house in New Zealand, I don't know what it's like in the US, but it's quite a cryptic thing to actually get a price out of a real estate agent in New Zealand sometimes. So they're they're very much trying to like pull numbers out of you and get feedback out of you kind of mm-hmm. quite early on in the process. Um, and I'd prefer not to kind of walk through that thought process of how I'd come up with the number in front of people, which I feel like it just could lead down that track if I were to say, oh, yeah, I got an investing YouTube channel or whatever. So are you trying to you're trying to portray yourself as a novice or is that is that what it is or it's just you don't want them to jump to conclusions? Probably a bit of both to be honest. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Tom hiding his cards. <laughs> is Manawa too close to you? Whenever uh Manawa too uh not. No, that's. I'm looking to buy sort of like the top of the North Island, and that's kind of central North Island. So it might be like a six hour drive from me south. Okay. Yeah. Which is I, big for New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's still amazing to me that New Zealand actually is that big. I never think of it as being that big, but that, that's a pretty long drive for. Well, we're a, we're a very like long, skinny country. I mean, I can drive from yeah. the. Most parts of the country, you can drive from the east coast to the west coast in like under an hour or an hour, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty small, but still, mm. for an island, it's it's large, very large. Yeah. Good luck wishes to you, Tom. Thank you very much. When, when you let us know when you're a real estate mogul, <laughs> you own the whole island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're a few steps ahead of me on that journey jack no not many yeah got got here in a couple of years so like you could do the same <laughs> yeah i'd kind of prefer to be like a I'd, I'd prefer to have an enormous stock portfolio that no one can really see than a whole bunch of properties personally but that's fair that's just that, me that, that that's one kind of nasty thing if you can call it that about real estate it's that one you can't move it so you, you got some unique political risks in that if someone wants to like throw a huge tax on your property or or whatever, like you can't move it. It's there. It's stuck. It's not like you can like move your shares into like a trust or a fund or something like that. Uh, so 
or, or move the company itself. It's, it's a, uh, it's a unique game in that way. So, but there are other advantages. It's all, it's all a trade-off. Yeah, for sure. What else we got? We got about 15 questions in a row from Jason, a few comments back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on down. <laughs> got, got a question here. What's my portfolio number? Selfish. But let me, uh, I don't think I'm any lower than last time. You were at what, 25? Austin? Sounds about sounds about right. Is this like number of companies in the portfolio? Twenty one, twenty five, something. Like no, that. it was less than less than twenty five. Uh, according to this, nineteen, which I think is what it was last time. I, mean, I feel like I was over twenty last time, but man, I don't know. Here's a uh, here we go, and I think it's getting a little bit more even, mainly because Baba went up. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, some notable changes here. Facebook's a much larger position than before. It was very small. Uh, Baba's quite a bit larger than it was. Not too much. And if we go to kind of our distribution here. I believe this That's is That's pretty good, Jack. You're, you're getting into like Seth Klarman territory for number of positions. Yeah. Nice work. Yeah, let me zoom out a bit. There you go. Here's the whole. Here's my whole taxable portfolio. Again, I have I have my tax advantaged retirement accounts that are all index funds, but uh, I can't really touch those forever, anyways. So here here's the taxable one that's uh, by far my biggest sort of allocation of my stock portfolio. So it's kind of a basket of commodity companies and then all the others. But we're below twenty now, so I don't know if that's exciting or not. <laughs> you How's it making you feel though, Jack? Company? That's the real question. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't really feel any. This is this is the plan I've been going through with. So it's like good that I'm on that track, and I don't feel like I am inclined to really consolidate much more than this. If I if I would, it would be the commodity companies because those are those are ETFs anyways, and they're pretty small positions. So I'd probably be rolling those up into something else. But otherwise, I, I'm pretty comfortable with this. At least the way the market's been lately, I feel like there's always something in this portfolio that I could I feel comfortable throwing more money at uh, as as it comes in. And as soon as that doesn't happen, then I might look more towards other opportunities. That's probably how I look at it right now. Uh, with tax season rolling up next month, I probably won't be adding much to this portfolio. Got a going to have a bill to pay, so <laughs> new cash will probably go towards that. But that is the portfolio now. Tom, how many positions are you at now? Are you adding to Thor or holding off on that? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I've bought anything this year yet. <laughs> I'd have to check. Yes. But I think that's right. Um, really? Uh, I did try Could've to. Sworn I, you bought I, something. I, yeah, I did try to. Well, maybe I did. Hang on, let me just double check. I think that's right. Um, like no, no Thor. I did try to buy no. a little more. Uh, I haven't touched Thor in like three years. Um, All right, no Thor. I did try. I did try to buy some more Seritage, but um, it kind of just hasn't come down and hit my limit order. So that's still sitting in there, I think. Um, Baba, I will. Well, yeah. So the end of the tax year in New Zealand is in like four or five days. So after that, I've got a couple of things lined up, but. Um, 
Where are we? I'm just looking up all my transactions. I, I could have sworn you bought something. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I might have just completely blanked on it. Hang on. Um Okay, what have we got? Nope, nothing. Nothing in 2022. Well, no trades. Trying to channel my inner guy spear and just sit on my backside. We've got a question about... Here's a question from Ara. Does anyone know anything about Franklin Covey? I do not. Nope. That is a no to that question, but let me let me take a quick look. Well, we should know. A company. The world's most trusted leadership company. I could have sworn it was like an investor. <laughs> Six hundred sixty million dollar market cap. I, I don't know. It's a, it's like a leader leadership company, so I don't know if that means they're like staffing or what. Oh, uh, guys, I've told a lie. I bought I bought something. I could have sworn. What is it? <laughs> so I've bought uh, one Berkshire B share to ah. just get into, <laughs> to get into the share. Like, sure? A little B share, a little couple hundred bucks. <laughs> no, I've got a B share. <laughs> so the, so I have bought something. Sorry. I'm all right. Saying. All right. That's more like That's a ticket. It's actually doing quite well, my my one little Berkshire base year. It, it's been it's been it think think up, meeting. Slow and steady. Yeah, I, I think I'm up like thirteen percent or something. So there you go. I I wonder how many people do what you do. Like, oh, annual meetings come up, better buy a share real quick. I I do kind of wonder that. Like how much yeah. of a tourist attraction is this? <laughs> you see like volume go up right before the meeting, volume go uh, volume stays <laughs> yeah. up afterwards as people sell off. <laughs> yeah sell their ticket i'd love to buy a berkshire a share one day just to kind of just to flex but um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's the right reason to buy something it, it doesn't seem like uh, uh, yeah i can't justify that right now <laughs> so we'll stick to the stick to the bees how much is it like 500 something 500? i think it's yeah i think it's over five hundred thousand now Five hundred thirty-eight thousand, almost five hundred thirty-nine thousand. Wow! <laughs> yeah, crushing it. Here's a question on Russia. If, if, I, I don't know if you guys have done any research on Russia. I really haven't. If I held a gun to your heads and told you to buy one Russian company today, what are you going to buy? I I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I read this. I read this comment before, and I was like. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to survive because I'm not sure I can name one. But, um, I can name a couple. I, like, I did, like there's yeah. Luke Oil. That's kind Gazprom of the big one. is the only one I could think of. Yeah, Gazprom um, and Luke Oil are the two that come to come to mind. Uh, yeah, probably. I'd go to Norilsk Nickel. Super chat. Like, we got a super chat. Oh, Jason. Oh, <laughs> that's where it didn't show up. Uh, normally, it pops up at the top for me, but <laughs> Jason says he's ready. This is literally like bribe, like hi. Here's money, get me in. <laughs> you got you got a question since you're so ready, Jason? We're ready to answer. He's trying to pay two he's trying to pay two dollars for that stream yard link. <laughs> so so we can get on here. 
Wait, oh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I did not put that together. I did not know what you meant. Does he actually want to get on? <laughs> I'm ready to come. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, Jason, if you actually want to come on, feel feel free. Yeah, please put a thumbs up in the chat if you're if you're actually serious about coming on. We're we're trying to wrap up in the next like 15 minutes or so, so you be a closer. <laughs> Only Jason pays to be on. Yeah, it doesn't take much of a bribe to a dollar ninety nine. He was in, he was invited. Yeah, it's like some Costco sale or something like. <laughs> yeah. Dollar ninety nine to get in. <laughs> Isn't that like the famous Costco hot dog? It's like always been a dollar or something. I've never been it's to a Costco, so Jack will have to tell us. Jack. So, sorry, what was the question I was reading? Isn't there like a famous Costco hot hot dog? What's which yeah, is like the, always been a dollar or something? Yeah. Um, I, I've been in Costco like maybe once in my life. <laughs> okay. My my. Uh, there was a Sam's Club by us a while back, which is another kind of like big membership wholesale kind of company in, in the US. Um, and their thing is like huge slices of pizza. So, uh, or I think Costco, does, does Costco do the huge slices of pizza too? I think, they, I think they like copy each other or Sam's Club probably copies Costco. Costco pizza. Yeah, they, Jack, they both. I think Jason's. Jason's looking to come on the screen. All right, he's he's serious. He's serious. Thumbs I think up. so. I don't know. Maybe like I'm not sure. Maybe. He can't Maybe. figure out how to do a thumbs up emoji, so he just he's, keeps commenting. He's angry. He's angry. <laughs> All right, Jason. I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Invite. <clears throat> We got any other questions you guys want to have a crack at in the meantime? There's a lot of questions about discovery, but again, like, so yeah, I mean, there's some news that AT&T has announced that they're going to start distributing the shares. So that's something to look forward to. If you're an AT&T shareholder. Yeah. Is that one of the, uh, that's one of the concerns around that investment case, right? Is that there'll be this like, all the selling from people that just aren't that familiar with the situation, like people that bought at and for the 6% dividend and all that. Possible. Yeah. But they're going to also give an additional dividend with the spinoff. So you'll be getting right. shares plus a dividend in line with the normal dividend that they give out. Yeah. It's right, possible. Jason, it's possible people could mm-hmm. sell it off, but Jason has entered the lobby. Super are, chat. Are, are you guys ready to let him in, or, sh- or should we tease him a bit? Nah, There's leave big, him there. We got to answer super, the super chat from. All right, we got first. a super chat. J- Jason will be in. Uh, Sorry, in, Jason. In, uh, in the penalty box. Jason uh, can limber uh, up. While a we, generous while five dollars and sixty-nine cents from Luis. Nice. Any notable side me- uh, side meetings happening in Omaha that you guys might know of, Tom? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure which ones I'll be going to or anything, but uh, I know the Focus Compounding guys are hosting some sort of investment panel on, I think it's the Friday night. Um, and I actually also just got an email this morning from the uh, from the guys on the Investors, Pod- Investors Podcast Network. I think they're doing some sort of meetup as well. And uh, I'm also keeping an eye out on the value after hours guys like Toby Carlisle, Bill Brewster, see if 
they're going to do something. But um, those are a few that I know of. Haven't haven't committed to any just yet. What an amazing thing! Just like a a, a value investor nerd meetup. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> so, much. So strange. I love it. Yeah. All right. Shall we let him in? Thank you, Luis. Yeah, bring him on. He's waited long enough. All right. There he is. Hey, hey guys. Good to see you. Wow. Thanks for inviting me on. For the record, you guys uh, did invite me on. I think that yes, yes we did. Clear. Prior to the you show. You turned us down, Jason. <laughs> I didn't. What's that about? Uh, nothing any of you could understand. No disrespect for <laughs> your way, Karan, but to the other guys. Um, at a different stage of life, and uh, we had some responsibilities tonight. Uh, we were potty trading for the first time today. So, how exciting! Busy. Yeah, do you guys want to get into that or no? Okay, <laughs> he's tough. We're glad you're safe and everything is all right. <laughs> Honestly, I just missed you guys. I, I've got a, uh, I got a few questions if uh, you want to get into it. But uh, we get, we got a super guys. chat. We got a super chat real quick from. Uh, from Jaunty, Jaunty with a, a five Australian dollar uh, donation. Appreciate it. What stockbroker should I use? Stake, eToro, or inter, uh, Interactive Brokers for four and a half, four to five million dollar? Gee, I can't read right now. Four to five million dollar portfolio with twenty years of timeline. Does anyone have a preferred brokerage? If you want like four to five million, you probably wouldn't be asking that question. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, I mean, just yeah. Um, Karan calls BS, <laughs> but in any sorry. event, I think it doesn't it kind of depend on what you're investing in. Is like interactive brokers seems to be kind of the international option. Yeah. Interactive brokers is fantastic. Although eToro is good, I have, yeah, I have to. See you can copy Karan on eToro. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I th- I think it probably depends on you know a broker that you're comfortable is still going to be around in quite a while and that you trust and uh one thing i have looked into before is sort of the ownership structure of the actual or the type of ownership you have of your shares like whether they're held in street name or whether you own them directly might be something to look into but outside of that i'm just kind of looking at what gives me the best access and what the fees are personally and also foreign exchange for me is quite important as well because i'm often converting to us dollars and that sort of thing so those are a few things to keep an eye on but um I'd suggest the companies you're buying are going to be more important than the broker you're using for uh, getting to that four or five million dollar portfolio target. So. You can always spread it out a bit. <laughs> try try yeah. a couple. Why not? What about Hatch, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I mean Hatch. Yeah, obviously I'm sponsored by Hatch. Some might be biased, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been using them for three years now. I just got a. You've been with Hatch for three years email uh, the other day, so that was quite cool. But uh, like that's been a prime example. Like with this Berkshire annual meeting, I have direct ownership through, through Hatch and can get meeting tickets and you know vote as a shareholder like I kept Warren on, so um, he'll be happy about that. And um, yeah, like some of the other guys I'm going on the trip with have had issues around that. They don't necessarily own their shares directly and have struggled to get like meeting tickets and that sort of thing. So Hatch is great if you're a New Zealander at least. Could I add that the ability to sell, to choose what shares you sell is very important for tax purposes and not all brokers have that. Oh, like first in, first out sort of thing. Well, 
basically your choice of any shares. Like if you bought a hundred shares of a company and you want to sell 10 of them, uh, there's some brokers where you can just choose the exact 10 that you sell. Nice. Um, or yeah. basically it's down to the purchase lot. And um, that way, if you've got huge gains and you want to sell, you can s- maybe uh, sell your most recent purchase that's at a higher cost basis and but, not incur so many taxes at that which moment. Ones, which ones do that? Um, he does that. I think a lot of them do it. Because um, I've I think, seen a lot. I, I, like I know like Vanguard is like first in, first out, last in, last out, like whatever you want to do. Um yeah, um, there's a very popular one where it's very popular these days. And I just remember hearing something that they might not have had that feature, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Popular with the young people. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it like that granular, but that would be nice. And that you can, for tax purposes, can pick one, one or you could split it between whatever dates like that. That'd be pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, it can be the difference of huge money, depending if yeah. you've got like a crazy gain over time. And also yeah. purchases at higher prices. Yeah, if you keep, if you or keep, a four uh, to five million dollar portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> Quran still doesn't buy it, but all right. It was a five million dollar super chat. I mean, that shows some money's behind them. It was so five. Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people are throwing <laughs> fives around. Where's Frank, by the way? What you, he's he's enjoying the, the gains from, Yeah, he's enjoying the NZME gains. Just <laughs> yeah, I think it's a beach day celebration. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you said you said you had a particular question for someone. Jason, you're filling up the chat, so you might as well just just tell us your questions now that you're on. Yeah, here. we were going to get to some, of some other people a bit of space in the chat, but then but then you started whining <laughs> that you just needed to, to get get in here, so we let you in. Now, what what would you like to say, <laughs> Tom? Did you did you not invite me to the show? <laughs> yeah, I did, but then you turned us down. Once, yeah. Anyway, you, we got we got you here eventually. Um, what do you got, Jason? Let's, let's it's start like, off with Quran. Like, you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's like the bat signal being up, and Batman's like, oh, I don't feel like you know, like I'm kind of tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I want to go make some tea. Like, <laughs> I love you kids. guys. I love you guys. And I'm oh, getting, I'm getting. This <laughs> Came in the mail today, Quran. Thank Looks you. He's, he's one of us now. <laughs> Quran, two questions for you. What did you think, if anything, of Tencent's fourth quarter earnings release? And have you felt a desire to increase your process stake to a very large percentage? I am waiting for process's earnings release. So let's see how that goes. And then I'll decide based on that. A lot of news about a process and uh, the stock's been up and down and now down again. But I just want to throw out there that not too long ago, the CEO, Bob Van Dyke, bought $10 million of his own money of shares, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm still very high conviction and was just wondering where you're at. Jack, I've got a question for you. Or no, it's not a question. It's a statement. Please don't buy any more Foot Locker. As a friend, friend <laughs> to friend. I see you no, talking I wasn't about planning it. I see, you, it. I see you tweeting about it. I can feel that conviction level coming from you and that was actually after uh, that was like about a week after i bought so uh, okay. it was not an excited tweet it was it was a it was a kind of a sit and wait tweet 
where do you think they're at if Nike's going to take a lot of product from them? Isn't that like I'm, really, really bad news? It's bad news for sure. Um, and that's why you've had a sell-off. Uh, but for the right price, you can still make it work. And I'm going in with assumptions that it will grow, if not shrink, uh, at least to some level. So it kind of depends on how bad the Nike thing is. Obviously, it can be too bad, and it outweighs mm-hmm. even the sell-off. But do you think Nike's still... being a little short-sighted, like hurting partners? I think like so. That? Yeah, I, I think That's so. I, I don't. Too. I don't think Nike's. Well, I don't know. I haven't done much research into Nike itself, but it's it's one thing to say we're going direct to consumer. It's another to mm-hmm. actually execute on it. Is not only does that take a while, but think about all the real yeah. estate that Foot Locker has. That's basically like a distribution network for Nike that they don't need to build, maintain, and actually execute on. So I, I don't know how long this will actually take Nike to actually execute if they can at all. Um, I'm sure they can in some capacity, but it seems like a lot easier to just stick with what they're doing now and relying on Foot Locker to pay all the money towards the real estate to keep things up. But we got we'll three, see. Three, three more questions. Uh, Jack, are you wearing Turtle Beach headphones right now? Uh, no, I don't, these are old. I, I got these years ago. I don't even know what brand they are. <laughs> these earbuds. Jack? Do you think Turtle Beach is extremely undervalued? What is going on with these other parties having such a, I could use a different phrase, but so such high conviction to take over this company? What is that about? I don't think it's... Is ex- it like super I, undervalued? I, I, I wouldn't say extremely, but then again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, so that there are definitely arguments to be made that, oh, their multiple is much lower than comparable com- companies or, or other video game accessory companies. Like you, you can make that argument, I suppose. Uh, though you could also make the argument that those companies are too expensive. So, so it kind of depends mm-hmm. on what, what, what's a glass half full or not kind of person. Um, but, but I mean, we talked a bit about Donnerail already in that it's uh, we're not sure how serious I wasn't really sure how serious they were as a buyer, but clearly they're serious about something and they're a significant shareholder and they've yeah. got some support to try and make this management change. It's definitely not a vote of confidence in management. Uh, and management itself is saying that they might cooperate with them. So uh, it, it's it's a weird time right now uh, for that. And I think that's creating a lot of uncertainty too, which wouldn't, wouldn't bode well for valuation in the short term. What, what do you guys think about the bull case for Carvana? Like, um, do you see just it? Carvana, like I don't think any of us talk much about it, right? Yeah. No. So you you don't see it at all when what other people are seeing. I, think he's, I mean, just looking at the base numbers, you can like make a case, but it seems like a lot really has to go right. There's aren't they losing quite a bit of money still? Even yeah. with the run up in car prices, it uh, when that, that that it gives me a lot of pause uh, for that one. Karan, what do you think about the insider buying at GameStop this week? I am one of the insiders. <laughs> you think, who do you think is pushing that volume up? Like? He owns 30% of the company, don't you know? Okay, just curious. Yeah. Tom, are you <laughs> in the process or are you not, not yet? No, I, I, I don't own process. I've um, yeah, said, said this a different versions of this a couple of times but i um when i was first sort of looking at some of the china businesses i um i initially kind of went into that thinking i may make some sort of basket bet across a few of these companies sort of you know the idea being that they broadly look cheap but i kind of don't know who's going to be the winner across different areas of e-commerce and so on um 
And then I kind of just got more comfortable with Alibaba, I would say. And um, the position mm-hmm. size of Alibaba, I, I couldn't justify going more China heavy than that, I would say, with that in process as well. So mm-hmm. I'm not completely ruling it out or anything. Like I, I keep a bit of an eye on it. But um, uh, yeah, I feel like I understand the Alibaba situation a lot better than I do Tencent. And that's how I view process. And, and, you know, I get there's a discount to net asset value and all that, but I think you've kind of got to know 10 cent inside out before you even think about buying process. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, something that happened recently with process was the markdown of the, the VK group holding, the 760 million that they marked down. That's a risk that I did not anticipate. Like, it's not a huge chunk relative to their assets, but then... Um, I don't know. I mean, like that sort of risk, permanent loss of capital. It surprised me a bit. Yeah. Jason, did that surprise you or not really? Uh, it did. It did not surprise me in the sense that that news came like three or four weeks after all this stuff happened uh, in Ukraine. Um, but if you would have told me that before that situation, that we could have a holding that was worth almost a billion dollars, just go to zero. Um, it that would be be very surprising, but um, just to encourage you a little bit, at year end, their ten cent stake was one hundred sixty two billion dollars. So, if I'm thinking correctly, if the ten cent stake moves up by just one percent in market value, we get the seven hundred million back from VK or whatever. You know, um, I, one thing that worried me a little more is apparently one of their classified businesses or something like that. They've got uh, a big business in Russia and they were basically saying, I think they don't know how to, um, how to value that. But if you're a long-term holder and you're looking at, at it as a way to own Tencent and you like Tencent a lot, um, it seems like a good idea to me. I heard a rumor that the show tonight, maybe you're going to talk about your best idea. So I was kind of thinking about that. Um, I don't know for me, I don't know how nothing comes close to, process right now the only problem is just the allocation size obviously there's a a risk with the regulations and all that um but yeah i really like that situation a lot that seems to be the common i uh, call it an objection but to add to at least adding more to a lot of these chinese holdings is they just continue to get battered down a lot of us are adding as as it goes down and then it's just like okay when is enough enough? Like, uh, how, how much of the portfolios can this really take? Um, that seems to be the case with. I saw this week uh, cattle, or I don't know if it's cal- called that, but CATLs, I think uh, they're a big Tesla battery supplier or something like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure they're out of China. And I saw a headline that uh, they are going to do a big, um, a big build of some kind of infrastructure in a state like South Carolina or something like that. And it's going to be a bunch of jobs for people here in the United States. And I think if you just extrapolate that United States and China and China and the rest of the world relationship, that one example by the hundreds of thousands of examples on that level and maybe millions, I just don't see a scenario like Charlie Munger says, I just don't see a scenario where these two countries, United States and China, and then in the other direction china and the rest of the world can't figure out a way to basically get along enough to keep doing business so i'm not i'm really not that worried about 
like a total wipeout there uh, due to, you could call it regulations. I understand it's on the table, so there's a certain level I won't go to in terms of allocation. But in terms of day-to-day worry about it, I think looking five or 10 years out, I think we're just so intertwined. And I also think the Chinese government is very focused on the bottom line, if you will. And I don't think they're going to kind of mess that up with regulations or other things. I feel really good about that situation. Yeah, I I think we all kind of like the bet on some of these Chinese companies. It's just, it's got to have a limit somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Another one of those non-zero risks, <laughs> even yeah. even if unlikely, like you're saying, Jason. And real quick, uh, <laughs> Jonty doesn't check. doesn't like your lack of faith, Karad. <laughs> but he, he added another two dollars to to his five dollars super chat out of his four million dollars. Seven dollars away, Australian dollars. Excuse me, <laughs> Jonty. I I believe you about this money, and I'm on Twitter hmm. at After Investor, and my DMs are open if you ever want to. Just talk about investing. So, buy some dinner. Yeah. <laughs> should we? Should we hit a, maybe one more? One more question? Or I think we we've hit a lot of the questions that uh, that were in here. I was just kind of skimping through. Um, yeah, just just quickly on the Carvana one. I just um, yeah, my answer basically. I, I just haven't looked closely at it to be honest, Jason. I'm I didn't not, like not the first look. enough with the investment case. I think we all kind of looked at it quickly together and we all were like, yeah, at least on, so, on the, on the first look, at least CarMax, a company I really respect and like and keep an eye on um, because if it ever gets at a really cheap price, I would buy it. Um, their stock was down recently because I think GM came out and said they've started some, we can search for it, but they started some online car sales place um, business with like an actual brand name, uh, I would assume that would be uh, Car Bravo, its own used car sales website. So Hmm. one of my worries about Carvana was like, I don't get it. Yeah, I understand if they can just grow and grow and grow. But like, what what about these other companies like CarMax? And then there's other big dealerships that are starting online used car sales. And now now you've got uh, General Motors in the business. So I just, I, I really don't see a lot of moat there. How successful has GM been in the past when diversifying out? Even if they do related diversification, how successful have they been? I remember GM financing is what killed them in 2008. So, Well, well, you could... I think what... I think what that really says is that uh, even if GM's venture in this car, Bravo, whatever it's called, even if it fails, it's still a competitor. It's still bringing prices down or at least it's a threat but they're even in the getting into evs right they're spending yeah. a lot of money in evs yeah they're but, doing this but what i'm saying is like gm doesn't have to do well they could lose a bunch of money but that's money that carvana would not be making if if it's instead going to car bravo in the meantime that's all it's, it's more short term they just focus on the cars they'd probably end up doing a lot better i would tend to agree but again i'm just looking at it from carvana's perspective it's still a competitor you have to worry about um, at least yeah. for a while till it goes away. If it ever does, I would say it depends what market we're in because I could very well see GM just creating a website and putting a name on it and then doing some kind of spinoff very quickly and raising a bunch of money um, in the market. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe you never know. Yeah. GM's Can I share a, a mindset GM. with you guys? Oh, you have a. Super no, go chat? for it. Yeah, sure. Oh, 
We'll do mindset and probably be a good way to wrap it up, actually. So what, what do you yeah, got, Jason? I've had, I've had a mindset lately. In, we talked about so many companies, like I just brought up, Carvana, that basically I'm never going to buy. And I feel like in the past year, I've thought way too much about companies that I'm never going to buy, trying to figure out what other investors are doing, just reading about them in the news and stuff. And the mindset shift is that I'm, I am like taking... If that's 100% of my investment time, I'm leaving maybe 5 to 10% of it for that kind of stuff and really trying to spend maybe up to like 80, 90% more or a lot more on the companies I own and trying to just learn more and more and more and more about them and see how high I can get my conviction levels or my level of knowledge that I feel I have in the company and then make some big moves and watch the price of those companies because I've just seen some of the companies I own the prices go up and down a lot uh, every few months. And At least right if I now, would just yeah. stop getting distracted, I could just start pouring money into stuff I already own when it's an opportune time. That, that's one thing I do like about um, having more than like three holdings. <laughs> and then I have about 20. It's I, I have 20 things I can put money into that I have some competence about, or at least I think yeah. I do. <laughs> and and that, that it does make that easier. Um I, I do like that thought though, and that at least once you have a few positions, maybe spending more time on those probably makes more sense because you have actual money at risk there. So there's there's more uh, incentive, I suppose, to take a look at those holdings yeah. rather than trying to find a new one when the answer might be right in front of you, or maybe you've made a bad decision and you, and you discover something and you could save yourself uh, some money that way. But I, I yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, I like that thought. Yeah, you're preaching to the converted for me on that one, Jason. I um, I, I would be lucky if I did a deep dive on a new company like every three months, honestly, at this point. Uh, but but the companies that are in my portfolio, uh, I am I follow very closely. So, Tom, could I ask you a question? I, I do see you doing that because I see like the Seritage updates and stuff like that. And obviously, I own Seritage now again, and I see when a press release comes out, but I don't take the time to do like a video like you do and do the research and that doing the video forces you to really know the subject matter. So what is your advice on how to continue to go deeper on companies you already own? What do you do like week to week or month to month? Locks himself in a room. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to make a YouTube video on this morning? <laughs> um, to, to be perfectly honest, that that probably helps a little bit actually. Yeah, I mean, I have a material amount of money in some of these companies, at least, you know, relative to my portfolio. So that gives me plenty of incentive. And, and I try and I try and do my best to just view myself as a real owner of the business, you know, and um, that's that's what an owner would do, hopefully. <laughs> if he wasn't familiar with the news before it already came out. Um, it'd be, Tom, what it'd is be your origin story? with value investing to say things like that. Like you really try to be an owner that shows like you're a real value investor. What, how did you even find all this? Not one of these. My posters. origin story. Um, yeah. Well, how did you get exposed uh, to value? Uh, investor? Um, it's yeah, it's not that exciting of a story really. You got I got um, by a radioactive spider that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that drank cherry Coke and ate peanut brittle. No, uh, um, I, uh, no, I, I was a few months out of university and just uh, I think I had four or five thousand dollars saved up or something and was kind of looking for something to do with it. Um, even through even through university, um, I was 
sort of as I went through university, I was, you know, through my head in my head, I was thinking like, oh yeah, I've, I've, I'm about to find a career that I'm going to have to work in for 40 years. And I'd prefer probably not to necessarily do that for that long. <laughs> I'd like to have some choice <laughs> to do something else. And um, I think just like the average university student, like, you know, you're renting someone's house that they own and paying them money every week or every couple of weeks or whatever. So I was like, oh, that seems like a smart way to make money. So I had this sort of real estate investing thing in my head kind of at university. Um, and I th think in the real estate world, it just it's kind of just obvious that the, your success in that particular investment is going to be dictated by how much rent you receive and how much you pay for the property. And um, yeah. I eventually discovered investing in, I guess, investing in shares when I just had my five grand and real estate wasn't going to be an option. And, you know, I don't know exactly how it happened, but somehow, somehow um, stumbled across Buffett who seemed to have basically that exact same mindset. Um, and when I look around at the people I know, you know, in my everyday life, pretty much all of the people that are very wealthy have, a lot of them are farmers actually just because that's the industry i've worked in like they've um they've put basically every cent they've ever earned into an asset that generates cash flow and they've held it for a very long time um mm -hmm. and again a lot of them have obviously been very concentrated because they've been on one farm their entire life or maybe they've owned a few rental properties or something and it's really just putting that same mindset into into companies um you know i was talking to, i was actually talking to someone about thor the other day and um they were asking sort of you know why i liked it so much and why i was comfortable with it even though the price is down like 50 percent or something from all-time highs and again it's just the business is making twice as much money as it's ever made and they're starting to return a lot of that to me as an owner um and it's really well managed so it, i don't know whether that answers your question or not but um yeah I'm just, it, it yeah. just makes a lot of sense to me i like it I dig that. That's a that's a nice that's a nice spot to wrap up Tom's origin go, story. <laughs> go po go positive and go first. Yeah, let's. Uh, speaking of positive, I, I just got to highlight this nice note from Darren here. He, he thanks us for the stream, appreciates our work and putting out the content. We appreciate you for supporting us, Darren, and, and everyone else who's been on the stream and all of the streams before this, and all of our respective channels as well. We we very much appreciate that. Um, it's it's a it's a good time. It, it's it's always fun chatting, all things investing really with you guys, but just all things in general. It, it's a good time. Um, but I guess with that said, be sure to smash the like button, subscribe, and check out Seeking Alpha. Uh, like like I mentioned at the beginning of this stream, uh, we are now affiliated with Seeking Alpha, so you can get a discount on a premium subscription there. Definitely go check that out. That is linked in the description. So is the Discord. So as uh, another affiliate with ShareSite, if you want to track your portfolio, again, with a discount link down there. Um, probably forgetting something, but yeah. Oh, Karan's merch store as well. If you want to get your Shameless Cloners mug, hold get that one up. Of those hold mugs. that up, Jason. Hold, hold up that Shameless Cloner mug. If you want to get one of those, uh, you can get one yourself and join the club. <laughs> Clo clone us. Uh-oh. Oh, that, that, that's a bold brand move. New, brand new. It's right out of the box. <laughs> All right, everyone. Till next time. See you guys later.